Today's first reading is a rather intriguing passage from the book of Genesis. It's one of the passages that the early church fathers pointed to in in speaking about the Trinity. Here we see God coming to Abraham, and then as we follow the story, we, we see three men. There's like one, when Abraham refers to them, he refers to them as sir, but then there's clearly three of them. The church fathers said that this is really a little glimpse of of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit found in the Old Testament. So, so what's actually happening here in this passage? I'm going to go through it step by step. I want to make a few points. So it begins, this is chapter, at, chapter 18 of Genesis. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the terebinth of Mamre as he sat, that is, Abraham sat in the entrance of his tent while the day was growing hot. It's it's the hottest part of the day. Abraham, you know, is, you know, you think of the hardest part, the hottest part of the day. It's, it's the most laboring, difficult time of the day. And Abraham then takes some rest. He goes and he sits in the shade of, of the tree, there by the entrance of his tent. God has an impact on our lives when we are resting as opposed to when we're laboring. It's during Abraham's resting there at the entrance of his tent that he encounters God. Let me say that again. God has an impact on our lives when we are resting as opposed to laboring. What do I mean by that? Think of laboring as this, as, as having a heart which is anxious and concerned about many things. And then think of resting as one may be thinking about one or two things. Well, why do people who go fishing like going fishing? It's because you can leave all the many things behind and you come and you do one thing. Why do people like going on vacation? It's so that you can leave the many things behind and you're concerned about like one or two things. And yet we realize there are those who go fishing who find it a burden or those who go on vacation and find vacation a burden. But why? It's because the person, the individual, doesn't take it as a resting time. They enter into the fishing or they enter into the vacation with with all kinds of things on their mind. And then it becomes laboring, not resting. So it's the heat of the day, the most difficult time of the day, burdened, and Abraham says, I need a rest. So he sits there in the shade of the tree at the entrance of his tent. And it's then that he notices these three men coming, the passage says. Abraham, looking up, saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, When he saw them, he ran from the entrance of the tent to greet them. And bowing to the ground, he said, Adonai. It's the the word, it's translated here as sir, but I think it's a bad translation. Because he says Adonai, which is the word that's used in referring to God. He says, if I may ask you this favor, please do not go on past your servant. Let some water be brought that you 
may bathe your feet and then rest yourselves under the tree, now that you have come this close to your servant, etc., etc. Three men, and somehow it's God. We know that God can, can appear as a human being. We know that God could appear as, as anyone. Some of the Jewish authors, some of the, the Jewish scholars said, well, it's God making himself present through three angels. That's, that's certainly um, plausible. That certainly could be the case. But we also know later, when, when the Lord comes and appears to Jacob, Abraham's grandson, it's, it's the Lord appearing as a human being again, as a man, the scriptures say. We know the final result, of course, God didn't, did literally become a human being. Think of Christmas Day. How does Abraham respond to God? Abraham's response to God allows God to do something amazing. Abraham responds with hospitality. He gives food, he gives drink, he washes their feet. He loves his neighbor. It's, when, when we think of this, anyway, when I was reading it here, I immediately thought of Matthew chapter 25. It's, it's the story of the king in all his splendor with all the righteous people on his right, the unrighteous on his left. Jesus says, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, so does the king separate you know, the righteous from the unrighteous. And then the king turns, Jesus turns to those that are righteous, and he says, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. For when I was hungry, you gave me to, to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And then they turn and they say, Lord, when did we do this to you? Like, like, like when, when did this happen? And he says, what you did to the least of my brethren, you did to me. Somehow God is present in every human being. And how we treat every human being is how we treat God. St. John says, how can you say you love God when you don't even love your neighbor? How can you say you love God whom you do not see when you do not love your neighbor whom you do see? It's last, last week's uh, gospel reading. Remember the scholar talking about the two great commandments, loving God above all things, loving one's neighbor as oneself? The two are so interconnected that how we treat one another is how we treat God. Abraham responds with this great hospitality. Hospitality is an encounter with God. Loving one's neighbor without the desire to control the neighbor is loving God. Hebrews chapter 13 says, Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have unknowingly entertained angels. Abraham shows hospitality. Now I want to get to my, my third point. Because Abraham shows hospitality to, 
to, to these three men, to God, God is able to bless Abraham. Abraham at this point is 89 years old. His wife, Sarah, excuse me, Abraham is 99. His wife, Sarah, is 89 years old. The Lord says, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will then have a son. Guys, this is crazy. God is able to do something unnatural. Because Abraham has opened his heart to God, God is able to do something completely amazing, something completely unnatural. And then when God comes to visit again in in human form the following year, Abraham and Sarah have a son, little Isaac. And Isaac then has a son, Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons, known as the 12 tribes of Israel. From them, a nation is established. From the nation born within that, within that people, the Savior of the world is born. How can the Savior of the world be born? It's all, go, it's all because Abraham is resting. He sees the three men. He opens himself to God. And because he opens himself to God, God is able to make a promise, but not just a promise. He's able to fulfill the promise, and we're able to receive salvation. But we can't receive salvation if we don't enter into God's rest. If we, like in our, you know, in, in, the, in the gospel, if we're always concerned about many things, anxious, concerned about many things, we're never going to be able to encounter the living God. Even if he's in our home, even if he's in our church, we may show up at Mass Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And if we have not opened our hearts, if we have not entered into God's rest, if we have not, if, if, if we have not let go of the concern about many things, our heart's not able to be changed. But if we enter into rest, then something good can take place in our hearts. The, the requirement, so it wasn't at Abraham's time yet, but by the time of Moses, when God gives the law, God then makes a commandment. We can see it back there with the list of Ten Commandments. It says, keep holy the Sabbath day. The people were to take one day a week, the last day of the week, the seventh day. It's what the word Sabbath literally means, the seventh day. They're to take that day and not do any work. Because in not doing any work, they're able to enter into rest. They're able to let go of the many things. They're able to trust in God. In the new covenant, it's not, it's not we, we rest on the last day after we've done all of our work. In the new covenant, we rest on the first day of the week, the day of the Lord's the day of the Lord, the resurrection. This was changed immediately after Jesus rose from the dead. We rest on the first day. And then in that resting, in that encounter with God, we bring God into our whole week. 
We don't, do our, we don't live our whole week and then show up at church and say, okay, now God, I'll give a little bit of time to you. It's the reverse. We put God first. It's why we're, we're called to attend Mass every Sunday. We come, we encounter the living God, we enter into his rest. Yet all of us know that we're all impacted by our culture as the culture moves away from God. So we, so you and I have also fallen away from God. So when Sunday comes, we treat Sunday as just any old day. I could give a whole homily on this, on absence from work on Sunday. But the point, if, if you take anything away from this, the point is, it's not so much doing work on Sunday or not doing work on Sunday. The point is entering into God's rest. It's letting go of all the many things. It's sitting at Jesus' feet like Mary. And by sitting at Jesus' feet, it's like going on a fishing trip. You're concerned about one thing. It's like going on a vacation, a true vacation. You're concerned about one thing, not all the other stuff that's, that you're leaving behind. And then as we enter into God's rest, we're able to be refreshed so that when we go back to the laboring, when we go back to the work, we, we may have an ordered work, not a work that we're just here, there, over there, all over. It becomes an ordered work, and it's no longer this anxiety. But it's like Abraham. It's like Martha, sister Mary. We enter into God's rest. Psalm 95. If you ever get a chance this week, read Psalm 95. It, it talks all about that, entering into God's rest. The, the letter to the Hebrews speaks all about entering into God's rest. But at this Mass, the prayer that I would like you to pray for is, is praying that that we may encounter, that we desire, that we open our hearts in such a way to encounter the living God who's present in the Most Holy Eucharist, who wants to break into our lives, but he can't break in if we have a closed heart. Let's pray for an open heart, opening the door to him who wants to bring us salvation.